You're tuned to WFHB. Volunteer-powered. Listener-supported. Community Radio for South Central Indiana. Good afternoon. Reporting for WFHB, this is Annika Harshbarger. And I'm Benedict Jones. This is the WFHB Local News for Tuesday, February 20th, 2024. A lot of that programming was really geared towards children, and we wanted to create an event that really encouraged adults to get out, have fun, play with each other, do some competitive games. In today's feature report, WFHB correspondent Kelsey Peace went to the adult winter recess and spoke with attendees. More in the bottom half of tonight's program. Also coming up in the next half hour, we have Lil Bub's Lil Show, a co-production between WFHB and Lil Bub's Big Fund. But first, your local headlines. At the Bloomington City Council meeting on February 14th, Council Member Sydney Zulish announced that she will be having a town hall meeting on March 2nd at 10 a.m. in the McCloskey Conference Room about combating homelessness in Monroe County. Um, I just wanted to announce that I will be having a town hall on March 2nd um, with the specific focus on combating the issue of homelessness. Um, Experts in our community are invited to come and talk about productive solutions and concrete solutions for both long-term solutions and and short-term. And I would also like, since our lovely mayor is here, like to extend the invitation to uh, the mayor's administration as well as all of my fellow council members and the public. Um, I'm really hoping that we can walk away with not necessarily a concrete plan, but a good idea of different ways that we can work, different ways that we can work together to um, combating like such a serious issue. So thank you. Mayor Carrie Thompson shared that First United Methodist and First Christian Church will begin providing shelter for unhoused individuals during inclement weather. This shelter is targeted primarily to people who have um, real medical needs and women who who can't go anywhere else. So those, those will be prioritized and they'll only be sheltering up to 20 people a night. Thompson also informed the public that a volunteer training session will be held at First Christian Church Saturday on February 17th at 3 p.m. It takes a lot of volunteers to do this. And if we're going to stand it up just in emergencies, we can't predict when we need to sign people up. And so the more people we can train, the better. Uh, And uh, it's a great way to give back to your community. Um, Frequently, there's there. In the past, they've been signing people up for just two-hour shifts, so it's pretty manageable, and you wouldn't have to commit to doing it more than once, um, but you may have fun. Next, City Clerk Nicole Bolden read the title and synopsis for Ordinance 2024-01, which would amend a section of city code titled Streets, Sidewalks, and Storm Sewers. Ordinance 2024-01 to amend Title 12 of the Bloomington Municipal Code entitled Streets, sidewalks, and storm sewers regarding amending various chapters to update references to the city engineer, to update references to the comprehensive plan and transportation plan, to amend language about trees and vegetation in chapter 12.24, and using this occasion to make typographical and grammatical updates. The synopsis is as follows. 
This ordinance amends Title 12, Streets, Sidewalks, and Storm Sewers of the Bloomington Municipal Code and comes forth at the request of city staff. The ordinance makes the following changes. Replaces references to the city's transportation and traffic engineer with city engineer. Capitalizes department names, for example, Department of Public Works. Board and commission names, for example, Board of Public Works. And legal document names, for example, comprehensive plan, transportation plan, etc. It removes references to his or her and replaces it with their. It removes references to the thoroughfare plan and its associated effective date and replaces them with references to the transportation plan and its associated effective dates. It makes various other updates, including grammatical and typographical corrections and revises Bloomington Municipal Code Chapter 12.24, Trees and Flora, to add or amend standards for appropriate tree protection, update terminology, and add relevant definitions. The city's long-range planner, Karina Pazos, gave a presentation to the council on the ordinance. So, uh, yeah, the changes will address issues that have come to staff's attention through public requests, commissions, recommendations, or departmental changes. Uh, general grammatical revisions are proposed throughout all the chapters of Title 12, and here are some examples of those. Um, so, uh, like the synopsis, uh, just capitalizing department names, board and commission names, legal document names, um, changing all instances of his or her to their, and beyond these general revisions, uh, the, the rest of the proposed changes could be reviewed, reviewed into three different sections. So the first section covers chapters 12.06, 12.10, and 12.12. Um, and those are meant to clarify the fact that the engineering department has separated from the planning and transportation department, as well as update uh, provisions that specify what information must be included in notices of violations. And then the second section covers chapter 12.20, and that just proposes to update references to the city's previous thoroughfare plan to instead refer to the transportation plan that was adopted in 2019 and includes the thoroughfare plan. And then the last section just covers uh, chapter 12.24, and this amends language related to the care of trees and vegetation. Um, it inserts a new section, which is 12.24.075, and that's all I have. So happy to answer any questions, and um, staff from Parks and Recreation is also here to answer questions. Councilmember Hopi Stoesberg made a motion to amend the ordinance. Stoesberg walked through the amendments. Yeah, there were just uh, two places um, that I found that there were still issues. There was one place that the transportation or traffic uh, was still mentioned and needed to re be replaced with city engineer. And then um, there was a small grammatical uh, error that occurred because of a change. Um, so we had to take an, an S off of fines to make it fined. Stoesberg asked about the stump removal section of the ordinance. Urban forester Haskell Smith offered some clarification. 
I have a question about the section 1224 uh, 060, the removal of stumps. Um, that changes, I think, the process of tree removal to stump grinding to require 24 inches um, below ground of stump grinding, which is a lot. Um, and I guess I just have a question about that in terms of who is responsible for ensuring that happens. Um, uh, and I'll anecdotally say in my experience having to take down a tree, the vendor that I had to do that kind of had the standard six inches. And so is this an extra expense that is going to end up on a property owner? I think that this just applies to street trees, but it looks like maybe the property owner might be responsible for some of that. I'm just trying to figure out if um, a property owner might have to go through a lot more hassle to um, find somebody able to do that or expense related to that. And it looks like somebody might be stepping up who could answer that for me. I authored a lot of the Title 12.24 um, corrections. Uh, ideally, six inches is not enough to replant a new tree. This is only pertains to public-owned trees within the right-of-way. Uh, 24 inches will allow us to easier replace the trees. We generally grind 24 inches to put a new tree in anyway. Yes, please follow up. As a follow-up, so is that expense then borne by the city and not by the um, property owner? Ultimately depends. We have a process that homeowners can use to remove a tree and grind the stump, but it's we don't make people remove trees and grind stumps. Okay, so generally speaking, that's not an additional cost that would be placed upon a property owner. Yes. Okay, thank you. The council voted eight to zero to approve the ordinance as amended. Council members voted to cancel the February twenty first Bloomington City Council meeting. The City Council will meet next for its regular session on Wednesday, February 28th. During the February 13th meeting of the Bloomington Board of Public Works, the Board heard lane and sidewalk closure requests from the Atlantic Engineering Group, or AEG. The temporary closures would be intended to continue installing the City's planned fiber optic network. Engineering Field Specialist Alex Gray walked through the lane and sidewalk closure requests. Hi, this is Alex Gray from Engineering. Uh, so AEG is back with their kind of routine that we've had for the past year now. Uh, this time they have three project areas that they plan to bring forward to you. One of them is from a past, um, that was supposed to go to a past meeting and then has been pulled because we were having conversations about um, conflicts with the uh, B-Line extension project. And then kind of a similar thing with Pine Street, um, which is the next one. We are also having um, can we continue um, conversations with them about the uh, Adam Street project. That's the sidewalk closure that's supposed to happen. And so we just wanted to make sure that those were all ironed out, and they are now. And so the uh, to make sure that it's known of kind of where these are, Crescent Road um, does not really include Crescent Road. It's kind of more that neighborhood area but it is from West 17th Street to uh, Adams Street and then Highway 37 or I-69. And then it'll be uh, West Gray Street as well from the south up. I kind of did it a little bit backwards there. For North Pine Street, it is West Bloomfield Road to West 9th. 
and the South Landmark Avenue to Elm Street or South Walker. Um, and then that one, they have um, a note to make sure that they're in coordination with us when they move forward, just because there's gonna have a closure for a very long time and we don't wanna cause additional problems. So that's what the kind of the note there is. And then the final one is West Countryside Lane, all the way um, up Rockport and then South Rogers toward Patterson Drive and Grimes, and then over onto West Allen and Catalan area. Board Secretary James Roach asked if Gray would give some background on the city's high-speed fiber network initiative. Gray responded. Then Public Works Director Adam Wason clarified more details on the project as a whole. So this is the fiber optic project, and these are temporary uh, closures, is that correct? Yes. They go through in a neighborhood, and they it's kind of like a rolling closure, for lack of a better word. So you'll see them in like one section of the neighborhood, and then they'll maybe the next day they'll be a little bit further down, and, and it kind of goes through that neighborhood. So it's not like they're closing the whole area for um, the four-week period that we kind of estimate for each one. With the way they've done signage and directed traffic and things like that. If there is any trouble that comes up, we notify them, and then they will go out there with their inspectors and get it fixed for us. So, James, I'll just note on, on with your question. So, um, the uh, land and sidewalk closure requests from AEG are part of the larger citywide fiber project that is um, part of the Hoosier Fiber Networks and the Gigabit Now project. Uh, we also have other fiber installers that often are coming to us for other lane and uh, sidewalk closure requests. That could be AT&T or any other number of fiber optic uh, providers. The board approved the lane and sidewalk closures by a unanimous vote. The Bloomington Board of Public Works will meet again on February 27th. Today's feature report, WFHV correspondent Kelsey Peace went to the adult winter resets and spoke with attendees. For more, we turn to Kelsey Peace. Foursquare? Dodgeball and musical chairs are just a few of the many games that frequented our childhoods. Bloomington Parks and Recreation is bringing these memories back for adults, but with a twist. <laughs> the second annual Adult Winter Recess took place Saturday, February 17th at the Twin Lakes Recreation Center. A plethora of throwback recess games, concessions, and craft beer were offered to the 21-plus adults that registered to attend the event. Community Events Coordinator Crystal Ritter discussed the purpose of Adult Winter Recess. What we realized at Parks and Recreation is we have a lot of great facilities and a lot of fun things, and we do a lot of programming, but a lot of that programming was really geared towards children, and we wanted to create an event that really encouraged adults to get out, have fun, play with each other, do some competitive games, 
do some creative things and it was kind of an idea to do a throwback event that kind of was reminiscent of summer camp or like field day at your school that you went to while growing up. And we wanted to recreate a winter version of that as well. And this is, event is all about adults just having fun and playing. Among the throwback recess games were 80s and 90s themed portraits, crafts, and music. that people just come out and have a good time. Maybe you see something fun that takes you back to your childhood. We have a large photo booth that we're gonna have set up that looks like the old school photos that you can pose like you're sitting on your stool. It's the laser light one that you might remember from yearbooks of yesteryear. Um, and then we have some other throwback activities as well that will really take you back a little bit. Plus we play music um, of the 90s and 2000s as well to kind of throw back. And just lots of, lots of fun activities that we hope people will enjoy and also be a little bit active or creative. The music really helps set the scene. And we use the music in several different capacities. Um, one of the most popular events the last couple of years has been One Hit Wonder Musical Chairs, where we play, so the music's part of the event, but we also use it as the activities as well. And we play One Hit Wonders from the 80s, 90s, and 2000s, and adults play competitive and musical chairs. Ritters expressed that adult winter recess and other similar parks and recreation events can serve as rare opportunities for community members to get out of the house and have fun with other adults around Bloomington. I think what draws people to our winter recess and adult field day events is just kind of a low barrier way to come out and have fun, to interact with other adults. We don't really get that opportunity a lot of times if we're going out, we're going out with our friends or we're going to something specific. And this program really encourages you, you can come with a friend, but it really encourages you to play games with other people while you're here. And there's not a lot of opportunities like that. So that was something we really wanted to encourage with this event as well. And we're hoping that people will come with a competitive and fun spirit. Bloomington community member, Katie Thompson, missed out on the summer version of Adult Recess, but was ecstatic to attend this one. A friend of mine went to the summer recess and said it was super fun and I wasn't able to go. And so when I saw this, I was super excited. Also, pretty much everything that is happening I like, including the games and the crafts and the alcohol. And yeah, it's very exciting. Thompson's favorite recess game as a kid was Foursquare. She explains why. When I was a kid, um, I hit up the Foursquare. I feel like I did some Foursquare. I was not great at it, but I was really bad at pretty much everything else. So Foursquare was as good as it was going to get. Do they have Foursquare? I think she I mean, they must have, right? All right. Well, if there is, I will play it, and I will rope my friends into playing it, too. The adult field day in July will be the next opportunity for those 21 and over to act like little kids on the playground again either as a volunteer or event goer. 
I think adult winter recess and adult field day, the winter and summer versions have been really popular events and we're going to continue doing them and create more adult oriented programming that gets adults out and playing in our parks and facilities and just remembering what it is to have fun. Occasionally, one of the cool things about being an event coordinator is we get to come up with these awesome events, but we always make sure that people who are either volunteering or working the event have a chance to kind of have some fun too. So last year at Adult Winter Recess, we had our super cart, which has adult tricycles and it's themed like Mario Kart, um, where people could race each other on the adult tricycles and I definitely got on one of those trikes and was racing and we have boxes that you have to grab that look like the question mark boxes from the game. Thompson just has one request for the next adult winter recess. We wish it was longer, like two hours. I feel like there's not enough time to do everything that's here. For WFHB News, I'm Kelsey Peace. Up next, we have Lil Bub's Little Show, a co-production between WFHB and Lil Bub's Big Fund. We turn now to that segment on the WFHB Local News. Welcome to Lil Bub's Lil Show, a weekly co-production from WFHB and Lil Bub's Big Fund. Welcome back to Lil Bub's Lil Show, where we explore the world of animal welfare through the eyes of one very special little cat. Today marks our 50th episode, and it's going to be a little bit different. We're diving into two topics of vital importance to our South Central Indiana animal community. First, the fate of Indiana's bobcats. A bill that's stirring quite the debate is advancing through the Indiana General Assembly. Senate Bill 241, spearheaded by Senator Scott Baldwin, aims to establish a bobcat hunting season by July 1, 2025. Despite a strong 40-9 Senate approval, the bill has faced criticism. Its latest victory, an 11-1 vote in the House of Representatives Committee on Natural Resources. Critics are sounding the alarm, questioning whether Indiana's bobcats, once listed as endangered until 2005, have truly bounced back enough to be hunted. Is this push for a hunting season about conservation, or is it more about trophies? Here at Little Bub's Little Show, and for many who treasure our native wildlife, the answer is clear. Bobcats are a keystone species, pivotal for a healthy ecosystem. The debate has brought together an unlikely chorus of voices. Hunters and trappers, alongside conservationists and animal lovers, all profess a desire to see the bobcat population thrive. But beneath this shared goal lies a stark difference. How best to ensure the survival and health of these majestic creatures for generations to come? Why focus on bobcats, you might ask? Bobcats play a crucial role in our environment, helping to maintain balanced ecosystems. Without sufficient data to support a sustainable hunt, the risk to these vital creatures, and by extension our environment, is too great. The Bub Fund stands firm, 
Bobcats deserve protection, not pursuit. If you share our concern for Indiana's Bobcats and the broader implications of Senate Bill 241, we urge you to make your voice heard. Contact your representative today and express your opposition to the bill. Together, let's advocate for conservation over trophies, for the protection of our environment, and the species that keep it in balance. Next up, we're talking about a contentious topic affecting our four-legged friends across Indiana. Indiana's Assembly is considering House Bill 1412, a bill that sparked a heated debate on the future of companion animal welfare in our state. Let's delve into why this matters to all of us who believe in Adopt, Don't Shop. The bill proposes that pet stores across Indiana could sell dogs from breeders and brokers, provided they adhere to a canine care certification developed by Purdue University. This legislation aims to set high standards for dog breeders, but critics argue that these standards are too vague and undermine local ordinances designed to protect animals that are already in place. Critics, including local officials and animal welfare advocates, the Bub Fund included, express concern that this bill would strip away local powers and potentially lower the bar for animal care standards. With Indiana lacking significant investment in statewide spay-neuter programs to control and improve overall pet health, the bill's approach has raised eyebrows. At Little Bub's Big Fund, our stance is clear. Every pet deserves a loving home. And the path to this is through adoption, not shopping. This bill, while intending to regulate, inadvertently supports a system we stand against the breeding and selling of companion animals without addressing the root issues of animal welfare in our state. If you, like us, believe in a future where every pet finds their forever home through adoption, we urge you to make your voice heard. Contact your representatives and let them know that Indiana's pets deserve better. Better laws, better care, and a better chance at a happy life. If you want help talking to your representative, please reach out to us and we'll provide a script in opposition to both House Bill 1412 and Senate Bill 241. Thank you for being a voice for animals in need. We couldn't do this work without you. Thank you for tuning in to Lil Bub's Lil Show on WFHB, produced in partnership with Lil Bub's Big Fund. For more info on today's featured animal and topic, Find us online at goodjobbub.org and wfhb.org. For WFHB Local News is brought to you by MPI Solar, a Bloomington business specializing in solar hot water, solar electricity, and solar hot air systems. MPI Solar designs and installs solar power generation systems that encourage independence and individual responsibility. More information online at mpisolarenergy.com.
You've been listening to the WFHB Local News. Today's headlines were written by Kelsey Peace, Elise Perry, Cade Young, and Noel Herhusky-Schneider in partnership with CATS, Community Access Television Services. Our feature was produced by Kelsey Peace. Low Bob's Low Show is produced by Christian Brackenhoff and Stacy Berdivasky. Our theme music is provided by Mark Bingham and the Social Climbers. Engineer and executive producers Kate Young. For WFHB, I'm Monica Harshbarger. And I'm Benedict Jones. Thanks for supporting Indiana's only volunteer-powered, listener-supported, independent daily news program. You can hear tonight's full broadcast online at WFHB.org. The WFHB Local News is also available as a podcast. Just search our call letters, WFHB, wherever you listen to your podcasts. Subscribe to never miss another local news program. Stay tuned for Disabulletin, a program that covers disability news across the country and around the world. Coming up next on WFHB. You've been listening to the WFHB Local News on WFHB Community Radio. Our news is written and reported by volunteers working to provide local news, cover local issues, and strengthen our local community. We invite you to participate. You may submit questions, comments, and story ideas to news at WFHB.org. You can become a WFHB local news volunteer by attending new volunteer orientation. Feel free to check out the WFHB local news archive at WFHB.org to find newscasts, individual stories, and catch a live feed of the WFHB local news. We are local, longer, 